<laughs> Wait, little Skywalker is stall. Super. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode... Part 3 of the originally unaired pilot episode of Send in the Clones in which Bucho and Robbie ramble on and 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 on about the Phantom Menace! Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, riding solo in the dropship once again... You know the drill by now, troops. This is the third part of the Phantom Menace discussion that Robbie and I had as part of our originally unaired pilot episode of Sending the Clones. So enough messing around for me. Let's go. We haven't talked about the pod race. Yeah. And I, I won't spend too much time talking about the pod race except to say that I know that... I don't remember if I ever thought this, but a lot of people will say it's too long. And I watched it yesterday and I thought it was perfect I don't have a single problem with a single moment in it I don't think I love the whole thing the sound design I mean we haven't talked about Ben Burt yet or have we no the sounds of everything in these these films and they don't it doesn't necessarily even make sense because these are like jet engines and you have it with the um, is it episode 2 starts off with there's a scene where there's that big black ship that comes in and it sounds like a World War II bomber or something. Mm-hmm. Even though it's got jet engines or whatever these hyperdrive engines, whatever the engines these um, things have, I should look that up one day. And these pods, they're jets, right? But for some reason, Sabalba's pod's going, buh, 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 buh. Yeah. It doesn't work if you think about it as sci-fi terms, but it's not sci-fi, so it doesn't matter. It just sounds friggin' cool, and every one of these pods has its own... Things are happening so fast that they sort of look similar enough that it hard, it's hard to keep track of, but the sound really helps you keep track of who's who because the pods have their own characters dude that scene is i remember that was one of the first scenes that i tested my surround sound right and i was just like dude and i had the i remember i had the uh the subwoofer turned way up too high like like way too high but it was just the sound of sebulba's pod is just so it's so cool i've I've always loved it but i love that uh, you brought up that whatever that I don't remember what it's called, but it's like it's supposed to be like a luxury liner. Yeah, right. Uh, Naboo luxury liner at the beginning of it when it comes through the clouds. Yeah. Oh, and let's you know not forget that that's the first tilt up. Right. That we've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. But anyway, right. When that comes in and then it lands and you hear it backfiring, that doesn't make much sense either. But it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. It sounds like Star Wars. It feels like Star Wars somehow. Yeah, dude. To me, Ben Burt is. And that's what I said when I met him, Jerry and I met him that one time, is I told him, I said, you are as important to me as Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. So getting to meet you is, it's a big deal for me. It's, you know, when I would go to sleep at night, I would hear the sound of blasters and Wookiees and R2-D2 in my ear. That's you. That's not them. That's you. 
doing that. So I find that to be incredibly important to me. And I mean, yeah, that, that almost sounds like, you know, someone just kissing somebody's butt, but it, I mean it, you know, that is as important to me as anything else. Yeah. The sound on these things is magic. Not just John Williams, but Ben Burt's work as well. Yeah. And even once you know, like, I remember when I first learned how they did the some of the blaster sounds by hitting a cable, I think it was. That, yep. When you hit a cable, it has that sound. And as soon as, Bow. I'd never thought of it before, but I guess at some point in my past, I must have hit cables because <laughs> when I heard that, I thought, yeah, that is what a cable sounds like when you hit it. But even hearing that, when I watch the movie, I'm not thinking about cables getting hit. Right. Like, that is what a blaster sounds like. And the lightsabers. Yeah. And... The roar of the TIE fighter, man. That is magical. Yeah. The scream, how it screams. And it's a... That's awesome. It's an elephant. That's what's so crazy <laughs> about it. Yeah, and that's on that behind the magic thing. I've, I've probably talked about that a hundred times. But that behind the magic CD set, where it was it was basically a website before websites existed. Right. It was a multimedia kind of go through and click through different articles about each thing and one of the things was him talking about how it's an elephant stretched out put through like a flanger so it kind of has a sound to it but then also at the bottom of it is the sound of tires on wet pavement and if you listen to it you're like oh my god it's there it's all there yeah it's awesome and and then some of them are they're not stretched out like pitch or not pitch but like super stretched it's just that's just it stretched out but then there's somewhere it's it's almost like a roar like you know what i mean it's like whoa it's just what he did was nothing short of genius yeah but then again you know you can say that about all those guys all the special effects guys all the guys that are inventing techniques that are being still being used 40 years later it's just it's still amazing go on and on about ben burt (laughs) we sure could well speaking of design and what have you i sort of brought it up before talking about more but Sebulba, I love... I mean, he's obviously a villain as well. You look at him and you know that he's going to be a bad guy just from the look of him. A lot of it comes from eyes. Like, you want to have a villain. A villain, you can tell from looking at their eyes. But everything about Sebulba's design, I love that guy. I'm not saying that he that's what Maul should have looked like or something like that. I'm just saying that that is a sweet piece of design to, to me. Everything from the look of him, his voice, the way his pod sounds, everything is... You, you're rooting against that guy, but every moment he's on screen, you're loving it. Yeah. I love whatever that voice is. It's very, very cool. And it's taking skeletal design in a different route. Right, yeah. That he's walking on his hands instead of, you know, I just, there's so much. You can tell, especially with episode one, that they had a bit of time to come up with those designs. Because to me, design-wise, episode one is probably the richest movie in the saga, design-wise. It's got the most variety and the most just pure imagination going on of course you go back to Tatooine, but you know i can go the rest of my existence without going back to Tatooine. because man we've been to Tatooine so much but wait a minute you saw the mandalorian trailer right oh yeah or the poster with those twin sons and that desert yeah i know i know we're probably back on Tatooine, but it's one of those things where it's like visually i want more different stuff sure you know but i can't help it that's still a gorgeous gorgeous trailer and I watched it five or six times, I think. Is that all? Yeah, I only watched it like the five or six times. But it's just that Tatooine is just such a... And maybe it's because we spend so much time on Tatooine in the very first Star Wars. And maybe that's why Lucas went so the other direction in Episode 2 when, you know, when they go to Naboo and he's talking about how much he hates sand. Right. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that's Lucas actually saying that. <laughs> you know, that that's... <laughs> 
there's something, there's, again, one of these interviews, books, whatever it was where I read it, but he said that he always saw himself as Luke. Right. Always wanting to try to do the right thing, but always feeling like he had to be something that he wasn't, which is what he was, if you read his biography, you his parents were leading him down a direction and he said, no, I'm going to film school. So in a way he was taking his own, you know, again, Campbell and all that other stuff that he was drawing from. But I'm wondering if that's part of it too, is that he, he wanted to get away from sand as much as everybody else. But I don't know. I'm sure it'll be awesome, but come on, give us some more lush water worlds or like Scarif, the old uh, tropical planet from Rogue One. Oh God, man. Scarif is beautiful. (laughs) It's pretty sweet. That's one of the things that it was like, why? Why haven't we done this yet? I can't believe it. I was starting to think, and I was like, we've never been in the tropics in Star Wars, you know? This thing about wanting more lush environments segues us into the finale of Phantom Menace because a part of the battle takes place on basically a big paddock. Yeah. Like a farm. <laughs> it looks like a farm or something, right? And that is, it's funny you say you wanted more of that stuff. I might have wanted it more before I said it. That is the most boring Star Wars environment to me. That paddock, yeah. it's just grass. It's so featureless. There's too much green. That battle as a whole, being on multi fronts, it still it feels epic. The whole thing, the whole finale, climactic last act, that works for me better than it ever has before. But that battle on that field still is the worst part and the part that doesn't work. It doesn't pop. Except for the Kurosawa intro with them coming out of the fog. Right. I remember when I saw that in the trailer, you know, that was, what, 320 by 240, you know? You know, that took 12 hours to download or however long it was. But that one, I just remember being super excited about seeing that. And I'm like, okay, what the hell is that coming out of that fog? And then the close-up shot of the grass and the tank kind of coming over the camera. Right. It was just like... Man, we're getting some interesting stuff here. It's visually interesting, and that trailer is kind of burned into my memory now. But you're right. I never really thought about that, but it is visually uninteresting. There's no trees to get in the way. It's almost like, hey, you know, you got these tanks, we got these big animals. We can run into these trees. How about we go into this uh, this freaking plane right here, and uh, we'll have our battle there. You know, it's just, you're right. There's no little river to cross. There's no, it's literally just flat land. Yeah. Back in the day, in the medieval times, and or, you know, they used to look for places like that to have battles. And if you think about something like Braveheart, maybe it's supposed to call the mind Braveheart, where they would just meet on a field and run at each other, you know, and that's what I guess was the idea with this. It just doesn't, it just didn't, just didn't work. Right. Um, Anakin accidentally, we've sort of gone through this a little bit, Anakin accidentally saves the day. I was, I mean, I just went with it by this time. I had been having such a good time with the film that um, it'll work fine for me. What is that? Now, this is pod racing. There's all these sort of yep. things that became sort of iconic. And Jack Lloyd. Spinning, that's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, like all that stuff. It's 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 cute, but like I, was, like I said, I'm fi- I was fine with it. I went with all that stuff. Uh, and then we end with the goofy uh, Gungan marching parade. You notice that they're marching in step, mm-hmm. but even when they're marching in step, you know, they have to be goofy Gungans, you know, and they're doing some sort of, they've got their own weird marching style. You know what's funny too? I don't know if you've heard this before, but it was something that just blew my mind because, you know, I'd been watching the movie for, it'd been in my consciousness for 20 years and I never picked up on it, was the song and the march is the Emperor's theme in a major key instead of minor. All right, you have mentioned that. Yeah, which is, it's so weird that it's like, oh my God, how did I not catch that? 
And it's it's weird, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, completely blew my mind that it took 20 years. I knew that it was probably out there way, way, way long time ago, but I never picked up on it. It was never something that I came to, you know, like, you, you know, how you figure some of those things out sometimes. Sure. But uh, it was too, I don't know, it was, I guess it was just so different that I wasn't thinking about it or something. I don't know. But yeah, it kind of, you know, literally the Phantom Menace hiding in plain sight. You know, it's just awesome. It's kind of awesome. It, it just kind of brings a little more awesome to, you know, I don't know. It's cool. You're talking about when um, Yoda and Windu are talking and they say, we know that Maul was a Sith, but we don't know if he was the master or apprentice. And right. And we pan across and it focuses on yeah. <laughs> good old Ian McDermott, Senator Palpatine well, of Naboo, our old mate. And that's the thing that, that's fun about, you know, you talk about watching reaction videos. Sure. Have you ever watched kids' reactions to learning that, you know... I haven't watched kids reacting to Star Wars before. Oh my God. You are going to love it. There are reaction videos to Luke, I Am Your Father. <laughs> nice. Hey, I haven't seen them. Because they'd been watching it from the beginning. Right. And they, you know, from episode one. And they knew who Anakin was. Oh, that's fun, man. Or, well, no, no, no. Some people are shocked that Palpatine is the Emperor. And then, like, there's some kids that act like, no, that can't be true. You know, the same as Luke, you know what I mean? And then there are the... Uh, the ones that are, you know, think it's, ah, he's not, t- no, that can't be, no. And then there's kids that are, that like, are like almost mad <laughs> at hearing right. that, you know? And it's, it's, it's awesome to see. I gotta look these up. It's awesome to see those reactions, yeah. If you like those reaction videos, you really like some of these kids reacting to it. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. And it kind of, kind of makes me relive it, although... That was, I was probably too young to, it's kind of like I always knew that he was his father. Like, I don't remember a time before that when I didn't think that, that Darth Vader was just the bad guy. But yeah, those are, those are really fun. Yeah, I've never come across them, I guess, but uh, it makes sense. That sounds fun, man. Oh, yeah. And that's mission accomplished for part three of the originally unaired pilot episode of Sending the Clones. We have some Attack of the Clones chit-chat we also did on that same recording, but I haven't listened to it since the day that we recorded it, so I'm not sure what we said about Attack of the Clones on that day. I can sort of remember because I remember how I felt about it, which was positively, but I'm not going to have time to put that together right now, so maybe that comes out at a later point? I've got no idea. I'm just making this up on the fly at this point, troops. So, once again, thanks for riding with us. And we will catch you next week with Season 6, Episode 12, Destiny. And, of course, Season 6, Episode 13, Sacrifice. They will be the first two episodes next week. We'll have a few other things that we haven't 100% nailed down yet either. Basically, recap stuff. Maybe some top five characters, top five episodes, that kind of stuff. Just generally light, easy... (laughs) stuff that won't take too much work because I don't know if it's obvious on the surface truth but this this takes a whole bunch of work trying to do a daily podcast that's not just you know yapping nonsense we are trying to watch these things and we take notes and then we then I do 
Then I write some kind of recap for it for the intro. Or Robbie does, actually. Robbie's taken a bit of that load off me for the sort of last, what, quarter of of the episodes. You will have heard that because you've heard him reading them at the start. But anyway, it's been a ton of work. It's also been a ton of fun. That's the main thing. I mean, I don't want it just to sound like I'm complaining. And all I'm doing now is making this episode longer than it needs to be by rambling on about nonsense. So I'm going to pull the ejection cord now. We'll catch you next week, troops. Until then, on behalf of your trusted pal, Robbie, this is your old buddy, Bucho. And I am out. Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. will be with you always. What will happen to me now? Council have granted me permission to train you. You will be a Jedi. I promise. There's no doubt. The mysterious warrior was a Sith. Mm. Always true, there are. No more, no less. A master and an apprentice. But which was destroyed? The master or the apprentice? <laughs>